When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Athletic. Let's talk about six, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about six. Matip Super Bowl. Diaz! Scores at some personal cost. Well, it's a week that could determine so much in the title race and Liverpool started it off in the right fashion on the south coast. Jürgen has the bravery of Luis Diaz to thank after he led the way. But how on earth was that not a red card? That plus a huge night ahead against Arsenal and the impasse on Salah's contract. It's all on today's pod. Don't forget, if you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, you can read all of our articles on Liverpool as well as everything else on the site by going to theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool pod. Right now, you can sign up for a special price of just a pound a month for six months. So head to theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool pod. I'm Steve Hothersall and on the Red Agenda today, we welcome two of the top writers, James Pearce and uh, Ollie Kay. So Brighton away, the first in a hat-trick of games that are going to tell us so much more about how this season concludes, James. Yeah, fantastic start to a what is a really challenging week for Liverpool, as you said, with those three successive away games that I think will really test the quality and the momentum and the and the belief that they've managed to build up in in recent months. Because um, you know, watched Arsenal again yesterday, and they impressive. You know, when you think where Arsenal were back in September time to where they are now, looking like they're going to be securing one of those Champions League spots and then Nottingham Forest in the FA Cup who are absolutely flying at the minute under former Liverpool youth coach Steve Cooper so um, but yeah I thought you know Brighton have caused Liverpool plenty of problems in recent meetings and they they started that game well on Saturday but you know after a a pretty ordinary first 15-20 minutes from Liverpool I thought they just went through the gears and um, you know once once Diaz headed that one home as you said you know incredibly bravely you know, knowing full well, I think he was he was going to get clattered. I never really thought the result was in any doubt. It was just um, you know I had to wait a fair fair amount of time before that Mo Salah killed it off from the penalty spot. But um, yeah, just a case of you know ruthlessly job done and making sure that the pressure was cranked up on City. Let's get to Ollie, our VAR expert. Um, the biggest talking point in the game, of course, was Luis Diaz. Um, incredibly brave, as, as James said there. Put himself in danger to score the goal. You've got to applaud his courage. Uh, but the way it was dealt with by the officials and VAR still has, what, 99.9% of people absolutely baffled, Ollie. Who's the other 0.1%? That's what I want to know. Um, it was... the, the VAR. Oh, man. OK. okay. Um, it's... Uh, yeah, it's, it's... Easy to forget that they're human beings, isn't it? Um, I mean, I, I, I just didn't get the, that decision at all. People pointed out, well, what would have happened if that ball had gone, you know, the the, um, the Diaz header had gone wide? You know, are we saying that he wouldn't have given a penalty? It wouldn't have given, a, at very least, the yellow card, red card. But it, it made no sense. It was an awful challenge. I mean, you can tell why he did it. He, he did it, that sort of Peter Schmeichel thing to to spread himself, make himself big. But the ball had gone past. He, he caught Diaz very dangerously, very late. And it was just 
an obvious red card challenge. And I know people said, well, what, you know, if that happened anywhere else on the pitch. But I think in almost any other situation, I mean, I, I, I was staggered he didn't get sent off because goalkeeper or not, that kind of thing would normally... I mean, it wasn't a normal challenge for one thing, but it, but that kind of thing you would expect just to be punished. And it was um, it was an awful challenge and it was awful work by the VAR. I can understand the ref not quite perceiving what happened on that first glance. I cannot understand the VAR just letting it pass. It was an awful challenge, clear red card. And um, you just think from Liverpool's point of view, it was a good job that with 11 players on the pitch, Brighton didn't fight their way back into the game because there would have been a real sense of injustice there. James, do you excuse the, the referee as well? Is this all about the, the man who's covering off the VAR? Yeah, that's what VAR is there for, isn't it? I think you have to cut referees some slack in the heat of the moment. It was a breakaway, wasn't it? It was you know, a fantastic delivery from Joel Matip turning defence into attack. And, and that, that's the whole point of what VAR was brought in to help referees. You know, we, we had that ludicrous situation for so long that instantly we're seeing 15 replays or something, yet the guys making the decisions don't have that luxury and VAR was supposed to supposed to do away with the absolute shockers but that you know that that, that just comes down to incompetence doesn't it there's no other word for it Stuart Atwell was on VAR and and of course you know he's he's kind of let down the other officials there because how you can watch that back and not think that's serious foul play and a, a red card I, I just do not know and I do think 100% I'm convinced that you know, and it's not in the rules. It must just be something, you know, in Stuart Atwell's head. I think he thought, well, the, they, they've scored, haven't they? So it's it's almost like it's too unfair on on Brighton to send off the goalie as well, e- even though that's you know that's completely irrelevant. I, I do think if that header flies wide, then I reckon the goalie gets sent off. I think that's the that that's the kind of baffling reality of it. I must admit, like you watch it back first time around, and I you know I tweet this well, it's a red card. You know, obviously VAR is going to send him off. And he didn't even ask him to go to the monitor, did he? I, I thought, yeah, it, it, inexplicable, I think. And it just goes to show that, you know, it, it doesn't matter how good the technology is. If the people using it aren't up to the job, then then you're still going to get horrendous decisions. And that was, I thought that was as bad as we've seen all season. I, I didn't think I'd see worse than the ones at Tottenham when, you know, how Harry Kane stayed on the pitch for that, that challenge on Robertson. You know, how Jota didn't get the penalty when he was blatantly shoved off the ball it was yeah that that belongs right up there Liverpool just grateful that it didn't have any impact in terms of the title race because it could have done absolutely uh, I know last time you were on Ollie, we talked a little bit about Luis Diaz but let's face it he, he looks more and more like he's got all the attributes needed to be a major star at this football club consistent outlet for Liverpool in that game at Brighton oh he's, he's been brilliant I think it's it, 10 appearances he's made to say he's hit the ground running would be a, an enormous Understatement. I, I, I put something out on Twitter during the during the match on Saturday, just saying, you know, how you know we often underestimate how hard it can be for for players coming from from abroad, you know, thousands of miles away from home. And I know he was already playing in Portugal, but you know, he's thousands of miles from home in in, in Colombia, mid season, trying to break into a team where you know competition is so intense. You often see players. I mean, look, you know, look at Minamino, for example. I mean. Minamino arrived mid-season and it took him, well, I think he's still trying to get up to speed. And people rightly, reasonably, sort of explain why that is and, and say how how hard it can be to um, get up to speed in, in a team like Liverpool. But then you look at what, what Diaz has done. And it's, you know, I, I use that phrase, 
hit the ground running. He's been, you know, he has absolutely sort of trashed that argument about players needing time and space and indulgence to adapt because he's he's come in and he's already you know, looking like he's really competing for Sadio Mane's shirt or, or Jota's shirt. And it's, it's whereas he could very easily have come in and sort of barely featured over the, over the second half of the season. You know, the odd FA Cup game, League Cup game, you know, off the bench every now and then when when players were being rested. And nobody would have criticised him for it, I don't think. I think it, it would probably be next season before people started judging him. But he's just come in like he really, really means business. And, you know, he just doesn't stop, does he? I think that's the biggest testament to him, is it? Absolutely no one questions him, James, if he's starting a game. And considering what's ahead of him in that well maybe they're not ahead of him in that pecking order but the fact that he is considered just fair enough to be one of the the three for Liverpool shows his quality yeah well I, you know I think it's just given Klopp you know a, you know another unbelievable option in this pursuit of, of glory isn't it it's um as Ollie said I must admit you know when we talked on the podcast when he first came in it was like you know isn't it great to get him in at the end of the January window because it, it's almost like from January end of January till May it's like a bedding in period and he can learn the ropes and you know get some minutes here and there I don't think anyone expected that he would be so integral to what Liverpool are doing so quickly um, and it was interesting listening to, to Klopp talk about him after the game at Brighton on Saturday and, and saying well he, he said you know what you know on the one hand you think well someone shouldn't be able to just look so at home in this team so quickly because we've seen before that other players have needed time to adapt but he said he said you know when we watched him playing for Porto he said we just thought you know we want him to do for Liverpool exactly what he's doing for Porto and he said you know that's what's helped the adaptation period it's not like they're suddenly asking him to do different things it's it's very much this guy is perfectly suited to our style and and that's enabled him to to just look like he's been a Liverpool player for for the kind of six years rather than six weeks so um yeah, I thought he was the best player on the pitch by some distance at Brighton on Saturday. He's just he's just so exciting to watch, isn't he? When when he gets that ball out in front of him and he's just you know, he's always looking to make something happen, always looking to take people on. Just electric. You know, that there was that absolutely scintillating run where he, you know, set one up brilliantly for Mo Salah who dragged it wide and you know what what an assist that would have been. Obviously we talked about the goal in terms of how brave he was with, with that. And he's yeah, he's just given this attack a whole new Dimension and and it's also enabled Klopp to play Sadio Mane as a number nine, which you know, we haven't seen a huge amount of previously. But I think that's worked really well. I thought Mane, you know, he didn't score on the weekend, but I thought I thought he was he was at the heart of a lot of what was what was great about Liverpool, especially first half, um, because he he can play that number nine role. He's not not just a winger, and and again that's you know that that just gives you another. An, another option in when you when you're trying to constantly reshuffle that front line which is which is what Klopp's trying to do and when you know you had a scenario on Saturday as well where you know you're bringing off Mo Salah after he felt some pain in his his foot you're bringing off the top scorer in the Premier League and you're bringing on the joint second top scorer in the Premier League in in Jota and you know and, you, and you've still got you know your 50 million pound January signing you know lighting the place up out there you've got Roberto Firmino fit again after his groin problems so yeah, it's it's a position of you know of real luxury at the minute for Liverpool. Not bad choices, James. We don't know any more about the injury to Mo, do we? No, Klopp said that he would be assessed today. So so no, we should know more. He, he did. He also said that that Salah had said to him that you know he, he didn't think it was anything to be majorly concerned about. 
Um, but he said, you know, obviously it takes a fair amount for for Mo to think that he's going to have to come off because, you know, as much as we talk about his quality, his other one of his other huge assets is the fact that he, he's incredibly durable, isn't he? And just as you know, he's a machine in terms of the amount of football he's played for Liverpool, you know, week after week over the last five years. So, um, so yeah, should know more on that later today. But uh, yeah, the early indications, certainly from the player himself, was that there was nothing too much to worry about. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mo Salah for comfort. Salah crashes it in and Liverpool breathe. So Mo's penalty put him on 20 for the season again. It's, it's the promised land for fans, isn't it, Ollie? But to have someone who's achieved that four times for the football club is barely believable. Is it? We're talking about the stuff of legends, really, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I saw that there was a stat in James's piece about how only a handful of players had, had done that over over four seasons. What was it, James? Was it um, Van Nistelrooy? Yeah, Omri, Shearer, Van Nistelrooy, Kane and Aguero. Yeah, so it's not a bad bracket to be in, is it? Yeah, and, and, and they are, you know, those, those four or five, however many you mentioned, they were sort of very much the centre-forward in that team and, and, you know, Salah to do it from a wide position. I mean, I know this team plays plays differently, but it's extraordinary what Salah's doing and extraordinary level of consistency to the point where we, I mean, undoubtedly take it for granted because I've looked at Salah at times over the last couple of weeks, you know, including during the, the Carabao Cup final, probably including... Saturday and thought, well, he's not he's not quite on it today, and and your expectations of him are so high, but he can still you know have a quiet game and then the ball lands at his feet and score, or he gets a penalty like on Saturday and he scores, and that's been the case with all, with all of those players we mentioned. I mean, you know, Aguero and Shearer and and Kane and people like that. You know, they they haven't always been sort of dominating for ninety minutes every every week. It's the great goal scorers. All, you know, have always had quiet spells in games, and Salah probably, I would say, Thierry Henry is somebody who rarely had a quiet game and was always illuminating matches. But Salah is sort of finding himself in that category where he's he's just so good in terms of what he offers every week, and even if he has an off game, it's um, you know he'll probably still score. A bit like you, I think he's not been at his level, has he? I mean, I'm just wondering, has Afcon affected him, James? Are we? We've seen a little bit of tiredness at the moment. Is there a distraction for him? I think fatigue probably has to be a bit of an element at the minute. Um, just what, what was he? What did he play? Four lots of extra time, I think, at Afcon. I think I think pretty much every each one of Egypt's knockout rounds went, went the distance, didn't it? So um, yeah, I think there is an element of that. But I think also we're looking at it against the ridiculously high standards he'd set before he went off to AFCON. I was talking about it with someone on Saturday and, he, and I think I still think he's having a big influence on games. I still think I still think he's integral to a lot a lot of the best things that Liverpool are, are doing. I, I still think he's causing other teams a lot of problems and creating space for others even though the goals aren't 
quite flowing for him at the minute. And I, and I also think, you know, I know it was only a penalty on the weekend, but I think I think that'll do him the world of good because I think, you know, it seems stupid to say it when I think if he hadn't scored on Saturday, that would have been four games in a row without a goal. But that, that would have been his worst drought for just over a year. I think you have to go back to early March last year for the last time he fired blanks in four successive games. And I, and I think you, you've seen that he does, it does prey on his mind. It does, you know, it, you had that situation on Saturday where, you know, he, I think Robertson released him down the left and he sped away, I think it was from Basuma and ended up shooting from a tight angle and Klopp was screaming at him saying that he should have passed. I think Diaz was the, was the pass if he knocked it square. I think when he hasn't scored for a few games, he does, sometimes his decision-making can go a bit awry in terms of he's so desperate to get himself back on that score sheet. And especially with, you know, what did he hit? Both posts against Inter last week, he hit the bar on the weekend. You know, that you know, he's furious with himself when he dragged wide that chance after Diaz had set him up. So, you know, I, I think you could see his whole body language changed once he'd, once he'd scored the penalty. So, yeah, I don't, I don't, think, I don't think the contract stuff is really affecting him at the minute because I think I think that's been rumbling away in the background for a, for a long long time and it you know it certainly certainly hasn't hasn't affected him when you look at his numbers. It's obviously what you've written about this week. I'd urge people to have a look at it and it is a week where most contract has been at the heart of a lot of the Liverpool conversation. Klopp declared on Friday, Ollie, that the ball was now in Salah's court. It felt a little bit like it was changing the dynamic of the situation. It's obviously been going on for for some time, but. It, is there that worry that it becomes a distraction, an unneeded distraction? When I tweeted about it, and I tweeted James's article on Sunday night. You know, people said, "Oh, it's only it's only an issue for you lot, for journalists. You're you're making a big deal of it." To be honest, I think because Liverpool have been playing so well, I, I think probably it's been glossed over a lot of the time. I think I think the, the amount of coverage it's got. I mean, given that we're talking about one of the best players in the world being almost down to the final twelve months of his contract. I mean, you look at. PSG and Mbappe and you know he's now in in the in the final months and everybody's expecting him to sign a pre-contract deal with Real Madrid and it's a big deal when when this happens when it's when it's a one of the best players in the world and it's certainly one of the best players in the Premier League and they're down to the final final weeks and to say it's down to Mo it's Mo's decision the club did what it can do that's what that was um, Klopp's line on Friday and as far as I can gather there is. What he means is signing the contract that has previously been offered, and and I don't know whether that means it is up to to Salah. I think it's probably up to both sides to come to to an agreement. And from what I can gather, and certainly reading James's piece, which was consistent with what I'd heard before, there is some way between you know some some gap between um, between the two sides in terms of what they expect. So it, it's it's a difficult situation. It's it, you know to say the club did what it has done what it can do suggests that there's no no more that the club can do at the moment. Now, I don't know whether that is the case. I don't know whether that's just a negotiating position from the club. But, you know, it feels like they're quite some way apart at the moment. And um, if it cannot distract them, if, if Salah can keep playing the way he's played all season and, and the club can just happily get on with him, then, then that's a real credit to them. Because I know in, in some situations, negotiating with big players has been a distraction for certain clubs at certain times. So Klopp's clearly managing it well. Salah's clearly managing it well. If the club are as, as calm as Klopp suggests, then um, that's interesting. But, you know, if, if a deal isn't agreed by the end of the season, I, you know, I think the club is going to have a, a difficult decision to make. Klopp seems calm. He, say, he says there's no rush. Can, can we even have a sort of a stab in the dark of perhaps the, the difference of where the club's at, James, and where Remy Abbas is at in terms of what Salah wants? No, I must admit the all 
parties have main, remained tight-lipped throughout this in terms of the, the figures involved. You know, all, all we know is Salah since well, since 2018 was when he he signed his current deal has, has been on around 200,000 pound a week, which it's you know it's heavily incentivized. So it, you know, obviously it goes up and down depending on you know all the, the bonuses being triggered. But you know that puts him in the absolute top bracket with Van Dijk and Thiago at, at Liverpool, but. You know, I, th- I think what we do know is that he, you know, certainly him and, and Rami Abbas, his advisor, would have looked around the Premier League and thought, well, hang on a minute. You know, you see, you know, Jack Grealish on, you know, three hundred thousand pound a week at City. Obviously, De Bruyne there is is earning more than that. You know, United have got players earning beyond that. So I can understand why they would look at it and go, well, well, look at what Salah's doing. Look at his, you know, look look at his return. You know, he he wants a contract that that recognises his status as one of the best players in the world, which is what he has been consistently for for a while now. The issue for Liverpool is they obviously have to balance that against the fact that they believe in this kind of wage structure that they've got, that there isn't you know a massive difference between their kind of elite players in terms of what they earn. I think they it goes without saying that they'd have to break that ceiling slightly for this deal because it you know Salah would become the the best played player in the club's history but they don't want to shatter that ceiling they don't want to rip up that wage structure and um it's a careful kind of balancing act and clearly up to now there's been very little middle ground in terms of what one side is demanding and how far the other one is prepared to go so yeah like like Ollie I think it's certainly not right to say you know this is like a kind of a journalism obsession and that fans on the street you know aren't really talking about it because that's not true you know it's I know a lot of Liverpool fans that have been talking about this and, and you go to the games and people are calling me outside and say you know what's the latest on most contract you know this is something they care a huge amount about you know it's and it, it does worry people because you know how, how can it not worry you that someone as incredible as Salah someone who when you look at his numbers you know what is that 153 goals now in 250-odd games. I mean, he's the ninth highest scorer in the club's history. And he's only a handful, I think, now behind Michael Owen, closing in on Sir Kenny Dogleash. You know, it's, what he has done at Liverpool is absolutely, you know, sensational. And, you know, he's only 29. You know, the idea that, you know, you're going to have to wave goodbye to someone like him, whether it's this summer or the summer of 2023, is pretty unpalatable. So um, the next few months are massive. I, I always thought, you know, we, we've talked about this lots of times, haven't we, over the course of the season and... I do think that, you know, the time to worry is if the season ends and this standoff is still ongoing then, because as Ollie said, then you're in the realms of, well, what do the club do? Do you really run the risk of losing him for nothing in 2023? Because I don't think, you know, how many elite players really sign new deals in their last year? Like, I can't really think of any examples. So you either risk losing him for nothing or you consider having to cash in this summer, but then... And I think the other element in this as well is where else does he go? And I think I think that's probably played a part in negotiations as well. The fact that I don't think his hand is strengthened by you go back to previous players where, you know, for Coutinho and and Suarez say it was, you know, that, that burning desire to go to Barcelona and we knew that Barcelona were desperately wanting to take them. I mean, you, you look around Europe and who could really afford the kind of fee that would convince Liverpool to even think about doing business this summer and who could possibly afford his wages you know maybe PSG um, if they're looking to replace Mbappe but 
would he really want to go and play in the French league? I mean, I know Salah's spoken previously about being open to playing in Spain, but surely, you know, if Real Madrid are going for Mbappe, they're not going to they're not going to go for Salah as well. Would Barcelona really be able to afford him with their financial problems. So, and then you know, it's unthinkable Liverpool would sell him to a Premier League club. Of course, he could just decide to run down his contract and go to a Premier League rival in 2023, but that destroys his Anfield legacy. So, yeah, there's there's a lot up in the air at the minute. I think it's a danger. In- sort of from Liverpool point of view of, of sort of trying to talk yourself into the position where, oh, well, they're not going to take him. They're not going to take him. They're not going to take him. Um, he's got no options because I, I think there are clubs and it's a really, really small handful of clubs, but PSG, Real Madrid, they won't worry about, oh, well, we've already got so-and-so, so we don't, we're not going to go for him. And we saw, we saw PSG sign Messi on top of Mbappe and Neymar when, when they certainly didn't need him. We, we've seen Real Madrid do that time and time again. Barcelona do it time and time again. The, the big clubs, if they've got the money, they won't worry about sort of dynamics within the team. They'll think, right, we'll, we'll, we'll do that. And they might think we'll do it, get him on a, a free in, in, in 2023. But I, I do think there is that that risk with Liverpool where, you know, they, they sort of almost take it for granted that he's got no other options. He will have options because he's been arguably the best player of the world over, over the last 12 months. And, and what club wouldn't want him? And what club wouldn't be prepared to make him the best paid player. And the situation with, with his wages, and I, I totally agree with what James said about the um, about the wage structure and how important it is to to retain some kind of parity and and um, within that wage structure, you don't... I, I, I hate sort of calling for clubs to spend more money, spend more money. I think it's quite vulgar at times. But when you've got people at Liverpool consider Van Dijk to be the best central defender in the world... Alisson to be the best goalkeeper in the world, Alexander Arnold to be the best in his position, Salah to be the best player in the world or the best forward in the world. I think realistically your wage structure probably has to be a bit bigger than it is. You know, you can't realistically expect for those players to be happy if they see players at other clubs earning a lot more. So there's a difficulty there. Um, I hope he stays, but I, I just think it's I think it's more difficult than just saying where would he go or or. Anywhere but Liverpool would be a step down. I, I, I think I think it's a challenge. Let's just uh, preview the Arsenal-Liverpool game. Promises to be a massive one. Uh, Arsenal moving back into fourth in the in the Premier League. James, so they continue a great run. Five wins in a row. Of course, when they came to Anfield, they were on the back of a great run. And, and Liverpool dished out a hiding to them that day. Yeah, I, I think it certainly looks like a trickier test this time around. I think especially on the back of the, I think it certainly hurt Arsenal, the fact that Liverpool went there not long ago in the semi-final second leg of the, of the Carabao Cup and wrecked their hopes of a, of a trip to Wembley there. So I think you've got to give Arteta a huge amount of credit for the way he's turned things around there because when you, you know, when you think their season started, you know, losing to Brentford and they bottom of the league, I think, after three or four rounds of games. And I must admit, like you looked at it and you just thought, Yes, they've got some talented young players coming through, but how can they possibly flourish in in that kind of... It just felt like a bit of a toxic environment. And it felt like we've seen it before with a manager when they're under that kind of pressure at a big club that it can be very difficult to claw it back. But um, I've really enjoyed watching Arsenal, actually. You know, they have got some... You know, you look at someone like Odegaard, you know, the way in which he's he's come good there. This is up there with some of the toughest games Liverpool have got. Probably... Certainly, the toughest they've got between now and and going to the Etihad, and yeah, I I think they're getting, Liverpool are going to have to raise it again. I thought I thought they were better against Brighton than they were 
against West Ham when I thought they rode their luck at times. I thought it was a decent enough response to the defeat to Inter Milan in, in midweek. Defensively, I thought Liverpool looked much better, but you know, you've also got to put that in the context of Brighton, you know, then they're not exactly blessed with an array of firepower. Um, so it'll be different at Arsenal. They will ask, you know, more serious questions, and Liverpool will have to, will have, will have to, you know, be be at their best. No, no doubt about that. Because this, yeah, this is a huge week going into the international break, as we we talked about earlier. You know, with you know, it's you know, two two huge games now away to Arsenal, away to Forest, two really informed teams who I think will, you know, rather than probably fearing. The prospect of this Liverpool team coming to them, they'll they'll see it as a great kind of barometer to see where where exactly they're at. This Liverpool side, Ollie, it's been rotated to good effect, hasn't it? Keeps churning out the the results and the wins where necessary. What, what would you do in terms of Diogo Jota, who perhaps at the moment isn't where he he wants to be? Of course, he's had brilliant parts of the season, but perhaps the last last month not been getting the goals or performances into the level that he would have wanted. Well, he, he had that injury, didn't he? And he missed a couple of weeks and, and um, was sort of rushed back for the Carabao Cup final and, and hasn't really sort of got back into the same form as, as he was before. But he hasn't, he hasn't particularly needed to because, you know, Diaz has, has, has been playing so well. Mane's chipped in with some great goals. And I mean, it doesn't strike me as a concern particularly. And, and Arsenal, I mean, he enjoyed playing against Arsenal a couple of weeks ago. I don't, I don't think they'd be too happy to see him on the, on the team sheet. It, I, He's I, got six and six against them. Great record against Arsenal. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I, I think you know, there's a sort of horses for courses element where you know it's not the case that it's probably more from an Arsenal point of view. You would you would be sort of unnerved by the sight of Jota on the team sheet. I, 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 I mean, I, I would probably expect him to start on 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 Wednesday night. I don't know whether that's. Um, whether that's right, but he, um, even if he's not been quite at his level since returning from, from injury, he's a hell of a player and, and I don't think Klopp would have any concerns at all about putting him back in again. But it's, I mean, as we were saying at the start, that there is suddenly now a much more intense competition for places in attacking positions, uh, positions particularly in central defence and to an extent the midfield. But, uh, you know, I, I think there's probably a core of about 16 players that are really competing for the 11 starting places every week. Uh, let's finish with a word for the Premier League Player of the Month. Um, is, it, is this the most surprising Premier League Player of the Month in terms of Joel Matip? And I say that in the sense of he's not who quite a lot of the other fans would have pointed the finger at and gone, he's been the best player of the month. Liverpool fans, and I'm sure the Liverpool team, absolutely rejoicing in the fact he's got that honour, James. Yeah, massively deserved, and I think yeah, I, I was I was surprised he won it just because you know you you have this kind of quite often there seems to be almost be a bit of a bias towards those players who are who are scoring goals or creating goals all the time. But do you know what Joel Matip has been? I lots of unbelievable things happen over the course of a season that you didn't expect, but before a ball had been kicked in in August, and I think just how important Matip has been to Liverpool would be absolutely right up there because. Um, it did look like his Liverpool career was just fizzling out with just how the fitness problems he had, you know, the, another bad injury. You know, you think reaching that point in his career where it's, you know, it's, we've seen it before, where it's very difficult to break that cycle of, you know, of injury. You pick something else up, you're out again. You know, you don't have rhythm because you're never able to put together a, a proper run of games. Yeah, he, he has been absolutely immense. And, you know, the knock-on effect to that has been... I'm sure Canate hasn't played as much football as he probably hoped he would have done from his first season at Liverpool. You know, Joe Gomez especially has been, you know, through no fault of his own, played little football because 
Matip has been that good. And, um, you know, it's, it's not just his defensive work. He showed it again on Saturday. That just the, the quality he has. You know, it's, I think everyone loves seeing it when he embarks on those those madcap runs where he, you don't think he's sure himself where his legs are going to take him. And so certainly anyone trying to trying to track him doesn't know where he's where he's off to. And, um, yeah, obviously he got that goal a, a few weeks back. I don't think you'll see a more popular scorer than that. And, um, yeah, the, the quality of the assist on the weekend as well. So, um yeah, I think I know Klopp was saying that they were all absolutely buzzing for him at Kirby when they when they heard that uh, that he collected that trophy and yeah, richly 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 deserved because he 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 has been performing at a, at a level consistently that I I, I thought we'd we'd seen the back off for Joel Matip. I got to be honest because it, it it felt like he was on a downward curve and now suddenly he's proved us all wrong. Brilliant, isn't it, Ollie? I, I can't think of another more sort of surprising Premier League player of the month in the sense of someone that, that you could have, you wouldn't have picked. Yeah, I mean, he's got that sort of growing cult status, I think, amongst Liverpool fans, but also, I think, among, amongst the players. You see, you know, the way they react to him when, when he scores or when he sets up a goal or... or the way he reacts to them when, when you know, there was the celebration in um, in in, uh, in Milan in, in a sense, you know, you know, I don't know whether it's arisen from social media, but this cult status seems to be um, seems to be real now. And um, I mean, he, apart from anything else, look, he's a quality player. I didn't really particularly see it with him in the first season or so when he arrived. I mean, he was he was free transfer, wasn't he? When he when when he first arrived, and that was at the time when that sort of pre Van Dyke period where. Liverpool had sort of a number of central defenders, Lovren and Clavan and so on. There was never a partnership where he thought, yeah, that works. And then obviously Van Dijk has come in and Van Dijk can form a partnership with with anybody. You know, I think one of us three could play play alongside Van Dijk and, um, and, and look a lot better than we were. But no, the way Matip has, in particular, has, has just gone up and up and up a level in, next to Van Dijk is... Enormous. He looks a real quality player. If you were picking a team of the season right now, a Premier League team of the season, I think he might be the first central defender you'd mention. You know, maybe before Van Dijk, before Diaz, before others. I, I think he's. I think he's been outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. And that pretty much says it all about his quality. Uh, chaps, excellent stuff. Thank you very much indeed, James Pierce, Ollie K. Make sure you read James's piece on Mo Salah. It's on the site right now. And thank you as always for listening to the Red Agenda. <laughs>